In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, I was listening to the radio, and the host asked the question, how would you define Christian strength? The first caller was a man who shared that he was in his 30s, that he had two children, and he said something like, when you're going through a bad time in your life, but you pull through it, and you find the good in it. That's what strength looks like. The second caller said something similar, but added, Christian strength provides success in all things. God will bless you with strength if you're following him closely and you stay strong. The last caller shared that she had recently encountered God through a spiritual experience, and because of that, she now had the strength to do more for God and to help more and to pray more and to do more things for him. And she concluded by saying something like, Christian strength means looking for those moments to better yourself. Unfortunately, no Lutheran called in. Any faithful Christian could have called and and shared how God's word answers the question. God has quite a bit to say about strength, but no one quoted God or look to his word for their answer. Instead, they shared their experiences, their thoughts, their self-aggrandizing notions about strength, which, no surprise, they were all very worldly. And it was troubling. Now, you may wonder why I didn't call in, and believe me, I wanted to, but I did not know the station's number, and I could not Google it, because as of about two months ago, I now have a flip phone. My children like to call it a dumb phone, and they're right, and that's precisely why I love it so much. But anyway, you can't Google on a dumb phone, which is another reason why I love it so much. And so although I could not call and offer scripture, I longed for someone, anyone, to call and answer with scripture. Not their own misguided personal experiences, not mere human speculation or the brow-beating thoughts of man. God's word would have been such a delight to the soul, something which God had said. But unfortunately, there would be no words from God, just words from man, because we're quick to chase after those sorts of things. Therefore, all my fellow Christians, and perhaps even a few unbelievers in that moment, all we were given were the empty and futile words of man, words which neither sting or kill or make alive. But imagine with me for a moment, what would have happened if St. Paul had called in to the radio station that day? Imagine if his words, God's words, would have been spoken over the airwaves to the people listening in at that particular moment. Well, hello, we have the Apostle Paul on the line. Paul, tell us, how do you define Christian strength? When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Uh, Okay, then. Yes, strength is the key to discipleship. As you know, Paul, uh, tell us more about that strength. You've done some pretty amazing things for the church. Tell us, what's the greatest thing you've done? On my own behalf, I shall never boast. 
except of my weaknesses. I suffer from anxiety. I have a lot of pressure on me from the churches and I don't handle it very well. I don't speak very well. I was imprisoned, I was beheaded. Who's weak? Am I not weak? Uh, okay, Paul, um, well, yeah, you are so right. I mean, God so often uses our weaknesses to teach us something greater, gives us a greater purpose. And the story that he weaves through delivering us out of those weaknesses can be incredible. Tell us, Paul, what weakness has God delivered you from recently? He hasn't. I still struggle with something big. A thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too conceited. And three times I pleaded with God about this to deliver me, but he didn't. It's still there. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm weak. I'm a weak Christian. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Why do Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 sound so bizarre in our world today? Almost laughable, backwards, seemingly untrue. Well, because they're the words of God and not of man. And these words have the power to kill and the power to raise you up again. And this isn't human speculation. Pastors are not sent to preach human speculation. We know Paul would answer this way because he answered this way in his letter. God answered this way. When Paul encountered this very problem in a church that he started 2,000 years ago in the city of Corinth, this is precisely what Paul is confronting in our epistle reading today. These influential teachers had risen to power in the church in Corinth after Paul had left, which in and of itself is not a bad thing. Churches must have leaders, but it was the way in which they came to lead. They became leaders because they were boasting of their great strengths and their spiritual insights using lofty words of wisdom about their spiritual experiences. Paul mockingly calls them super apostles, twice in the context. First in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 5, and then again in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 11, these super apostles were undermining the apostolic ministry of Paul, for they boasted of their own spiritual strengths and how close to Jesus they were. And they were effective, for Paul writes, that I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, so your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Super apostles love to take one's devotion away from Christ and his cross and place it upon themselves and what they do. How successfully they navigate the storms of life. How great 
they have become in the faith, how trusting, how faithful they are in all things. They think, if you just follow Christ like I do, then you'll be given great strength like me. Such men, Paul writes, are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Do not listen to them. They strip all the glory away from Christ place it on themselves. So why do Christians listen to these super apostles, these super Christians of our day? You know the ones. Why are these the ones that we heed on the radio and in life and on social media? Because they have something more to offer, don't they? Something more. Something other than Jesus Christ and him crucified in his word and sacraments. They have this spiritual thing about them that flows from something, anything other than the pure words of Jesus and him crucified in word and sacrament. Oh yes, those with itching ears who love to accumulate teachers for themselves who suit their own passions will turn away from listening to the truth, God's word, so quickly and wander off into myths of human words and speculation. We look up to the super apostles, the super Christians of our day because they boast of such great strength. But Paul, he boasts of his weaknesses. And Paul is no super apostle, he is a weak one. The least of all the apostles, he writes. Take heed to him, for he speaks God's word. Words which have the power to kill and to make alive. Jews demand powerful signs. Greeks seek lofty wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Dear saints, do not be like the super apostles of our day. Don't pay any attention to their so-called wisdom or spiritual experiences. They speak of lofty things and boast of spiritual access and success apart from God's word and blessed sacraments. Rather, boast all the more gladly of your weaknesses so that the power of God may rest upon you. For his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. At the cross, the weakness of God proved stronger than man, and the foolishness of God proved wiser than man. The suffering servant, God's one and only son, was beaten, lashed, spit upon, punched, and crucified for you. See how great his weakness is on your behalf, his humiliation and his suffering for your sake. And in that weakness, you will see the power of God. 
resting for three days in the silence of death in the tomb. The prophet Isaiah says of this Jesus that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and well acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. Dear, weak Christian, his wounds are your wounds now, and your weaknesses are his weaknesses, wrapped up in the all-sufficiency of his grace. For his grace is sufficient for you, in the crucified one. And so all the more then, for his sake, you can say with Paul, I'm content with my weaknesses. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen.